Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Hope you had a nice Easter. Wonderful to remember the truth of that story that none of us could have made up, of God coming down, becoming a man, becoming one of us. Uh, and when the choice came to him or us, he chose you and me, didn't he? He chose life for you and me and uh, death for his son. Have you been enjoying the spring? Yeah. Um, anybody sneezing, wheezing, coughing? Even my dog is sneezing uh, as he puts his nose to the ground. So I'm going to, uh, as our pastor is accustomed to doing, I'm going to pray here. Uh, a prayer of flower power, if you will, of springtime. And as we look forward to Mother's Day, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you Jesus has taught us to address you as Abba, Daddy. Thank you for our elder brother. Thank you we are all your sons and daughters, your prince and princesses, one big family through the gift of your son Jesus. Um, this is your son Scott here. <laughs> the son of Helen Elizabeth, the brother of Paula and Jennifer and Susie, the husband of uh, Elizabeth Ann, one and only wife, um, and the father of, of Catherine Rose. I'd like to claim your promises here from Isaiah chapter 35, where we read, and I'm thinking of Florine's prayer here, the desert and the dry land will become happy. The desert will be glad and will produce flowers. Like a flower, it will have many blooms. It will show happiness as it shouts with joy. So, Father, thank you for the blessing of the beauty in dry and hard places through the storms that blow through our lives. We need your transforming power in our souls and our bodies. Please plant your perennial love in our hearts, and let it grow bright and strong in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I'm looking forward to spending time with Lonnie Melshenko next weekend. Uh, we're going to have some other special guests next weekend. Do you know who they are? Our mothers, right? Mother's Day is next Sunday. Um, and much of what I'll share with you today, by God's grace, is going to revolve around that. And what we learned from uh, the storms that so many mothers have gone through over the years. Um, when you think of mothers in the Bible, who do you think of? Mary, that's right. And her cousin Elizabeth, right? How nice for them to be able to share the joys of uh, mother pregnancy and motherhood uh, together. Yeah, what a beautiful thing. Um, I made, a, I made a statement a couple of weeks ago in Sabbath school referring to one mother. Anybody remember what that, which mother that was? I called her a savior. Maybe I should have chosen another word. Um, her name was Eve. And so I did some more digging into the Hebrew there. And... When we see that God saw that everything was good in creation, he saw one thing wasn't good. What was that? That man was alone. And so he made 
God a, a helpmeet. And the Hebrew there is, it only appears once throughout the entire Bible as God refers to this beautiful creature that he has created to be a perfect companion for man, for Adam, and that's Eve. The Hebrew is ezer kenegdo. So there are two words there, ezer and kenegdo. Ezer appears throughout the scriptures, and it always refers to God coming through for you and me in a, in a desperate time when the storm is blowing against us and we need God to come through for us. So let me read to you a couple of scriptures that refer to Ezer. Um, from Deuteronomy we read, There is no one like the son of Jeshurun, the God of Jeshurun, excuse me, who rides on the heavens to be your Ezer or your helper or your rescuer. Uh, again from Deuteronomy, Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your Ezer and your glorious sword. Now, konegdo is a word that means facing or opposite. So you put the two together. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a power facing him. That's another word for Ezer. Or rescuer. Perhaps a better choice of words than Savior. Let's be clear, right? There's only one name under heaven by which we will be saved, Jesus Christ. Um, I will make him a strength opposite him. Another translation, I will make him, Adam, a rescuer that looks him in the face. So what a beautiful thing to consider that help meet is more than just assistant or servant, right? Uh, God did something wonderful in creating woman and marriage uh, and motherhood. Um, some other women in the Bible. Who remembers Moses' mom? Remember her name? Jochebed. I had to look that up today. Uh, back there in Exodus. Um, anybody remember? Who was, the, who was the person in Israel, she wasn't an Israelite, who actually had her husband make a little bedroom study for the prophet? Was it Elisha? They used to travel around the country visiting people, sharing the word of God. Do you remember who it was in the Old Testament? Oh, oh the widow of Nain is a good one. Yeah, no, but in the Old Testament it was the Shunammite woman. Yeah. She shows hospitality to the servant of God, becomes a friend, gives him a room to stay in and a place to stay on his travels. And after that, what happens to her child? Do you remember the story? Her child goes out into the field with his daddy. His head hurts. They bring him back to his mama. She cuddles him in her, in her arms, and the little boy dies in her arms. Why does God allow that to happen, especially to someone that's shown such kindness to his servant? Well, you read the story. And this woman immediately gets on a horse and rides out to go see the prophet. And all along the way, people are saying, what's the matter? Where are you going? What are you doing? She goes, all is well. All is well is her testimony as she goes to see the prophet. She runs right by his servant, goes right to the prophet, and tells him what has happened, brings him back to her home and the child. He prays for the child, and the child is brought back to life. Uh, 
What a thrill. What a thrill for you and I. Can people die in different ways? Not just physically, right? They can be mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. What a thrill, what an opportunity for you and I to participate in reviving the lives of others as we're looking forward to this revival weekend that's coming up here. And again, I think of what wonderful roles our mothers play in reviving us. Um, Remember Naomi and Ruth? What a story. The storm comes to Israel, the famine hits, Naomi's husband takes her, uh, and their sons goes to a far country. They start families there. The sons die. The husband dies. It leaves Naomi with Ruth. And do you remember the other daughter-in-law? Orpah. Uh, We're familiar with uh, that woman named Oprah today. Um, But Ruth decides to stick with Naomi. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And they return to Israel. And they return to eke out an existence, right? gathering up the leftovers from the harvest. And a short time later, uh, Boaz, who owns the field where they're gleaning the leftovers from the harvest, notices them. And uh, in short order, um, Ruth shows him kindness. He repays that by becoming her kinsman redeemer and her husband. And she goes from gleaning on the fringes of the field to actually being the wife of the owner of the field, right? And more than that, she becomes the great-great-great-grandmother of David. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. God can take those storms, those adversities that come through our lives and overrule them to be tremendous blessings, not only for us, but for so many others. So can you and I see that in whatever adversity it is that we're facing now? Um, Think of the stories of of Abram and... How do you pronounce Sarah's name as it was originally pronounced? Is it Sarai? Their names get changed, right? He becomes Abraham, she becomes Sarah, the breath of God there, the ha. And uh, obviously wonderful things come from that. Isaac and Jacob, and their wives, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Um, There's a woman in the New Testament that I'm thinking of who's a mom. She's had a really difficult time. Now, who's good at geography? You know where Israel is in Galilee, over there somewhere in the Middle East? You ever hear the places Tyre and Sidon? I think we touched on some of this in Sabbath school this morning. Tyre and Sidon are on the Mediterranean coast, and you can trace. We talked about the Phoenicians, I think. Josh brought it up today. They can actually trace, the archaeology can trace the history of these cities back to just after the flood. They became seafaring peoples who were conquered one after the other, The Bible tells us about the progression of civilizations and kingdoms and their rise and fall. Um, But Tyre and Sidon, anybody want to hazard a guess how far they are from Jerusalem and Galilee? Did you say 100? Absolutely. Five stars, Charlie. So if Jesus is taking you and the disciples out for a walk some afternoon and says, 
Guess where we're going? It's 100 miles to go there. Why go there? The Scriptures tell us in a couple of places that as Jesus is preaching the kingdom of heaven, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, His fame spread out. And it reaches Tyre and Sidon. They hear the good news and they, they start coming to Israel to listen to this message of this man, this prophet, the Messiah. But not everyone can make it. And so Jesus is, uh, well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 15 and pick up the story here. Jesus' life is being threatened time and again. They want to silence him, put an end to his, his ministry and his life. Uh, the leaders, <laughs> the religious and political and economic leaders, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers who are in cahoots with the Roman secular government, the liberals and the conservatives, they found something that they, that they can unite upon. As we look at what's going on in our world today and in our country today, both in a secular way and in a religious and political and economic way, we can see much in common uh, with what was happening, the, the dynamics of society 2,000 years ago. And so Jesus is seeking a time of refreshment away from all of that. He says, time for a road trip. I like road trips. I like seeing new places, meeting new people. You never know who God is going to bring across the path of your life. And I bet the disciples never anticipated this. So let's pick up the story. Jesus has just headed out with the Pharisees and the scribes. And uh, picking it up in verse 21 of chapter 15 of Matthew. Jesus went thence and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. So even at this time, okay, we're talking that these cities were founded around 2500 B.C. This area has been populated for 2,000 years now. When Jesus gets there, they come over the hill and he's looking out over the expanse of the Mediterranean. Or imagine it's Cape Cod Bay. And here are these two cities with their pagan temples and their bustling ports and everything else that's going on. And if you're one of the disciples, what are you thinking? When people didn't generally go how far from where they grew up back in those days? Here they are, 100 miles away from home, and they're probably wondering, what are we doing here? But it's a beautiful scene as they come over the hill. You pick up the story in, the, in one of the other Gospels. We're told that Jesus went into a house because he wanted to be hidden. And the, the Gospels tell us he couldn't be hid. So somebody knew. How did they know? They didn't have their iPhones and pictures and, and all of that. But here comes a woman, and more than a woman, a mother. Verse 22. A woman of Canaan comes out of the coasts and cries unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. So what does she see? Does she just see an itinerant Jew and his band of merry men? She addresses him as Lord and Son of David. This is a Syrophoenician, we mentioned Phoenicia, Canaanite woman, okay? So as far as being able to have had a, the benefits of an education or hearing the stories firsthand or secondhand from other people, um, somehow 
She's been given the vision to recognize who this probably dusty, dirty traveler is after having walked 100 miles to get there. And she addresses him as the son of David, the Messiah. Wow. You ever wonder who comes across the path of your life and if Jesus comes across the path of your life, would you recognize him? And would you be willing to vocalize that recognition publicly? Jesus can come to us in many ways. And here's why she's come. My daughter, this mother has a love for her daughter, is grieved, not just vexed, grievously vexed with the devil. Now, when you think about things that can beset you, the storms, the trials, the temptations, the adversities, perhaps one of the worst is to see your children suffer and then to, and then to suffer this. You think she's tried everything she could to try? try and cure her daughter of what ails her? You think she's desperate at this moment? Maybe you have been there. I know I have. And she comes out and confesses what the situation is. And look at Jesus' response here. But he answered her what? Not a word. In the midst of her distress on behalf of her child, her daughter. He doesn't answer. He just appears to ignore her. Do your prayers ever go unanswered? What could be going on here? Could Jesus be testing your faith and mine? I wonder. In any event, that would have been enough to probably discourage me. He just passes on as if he doesn't hear her. Wow, okay. But bless her heart, this woman has persistence and fortitude. Then his disciples came to him beside him, saying, Send her away because she cries after us now. The infant apostolic church, if Jesus won't respond to her, she goes after the disciples. Maybe the guys in the church can persuade him to do something for me. I know I'm not an Israelite, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Canaanite of Syrophoenicia, maybe his, maybe his churchgoers, his elders, will do something for me. But instead of responding to her, what do they do to Jesus? They go to Jesus and say, send her away because she's bothering us. If that were you or I, what would you or I do at this point? Wow. That's the second rejection, the second strike. But she answers and says, oh, I'm sorry, but he answered and says, ah, Jesus finally responds. Do you think her ears perked up? Do you think she gave her attention to Jesus? Maybe there's some good news here for me now. Look at what Jesus says here. I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, there's more, da- more bad news for her. Is she an Israelite? Now, Paul writes in the New Testament, all they of Israel aren't all Israel. All they that are Christians aren't all really Christians. I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wow. 
So the master, the one that you have addressed as your savior, as your Messiah, even though you're a Canaanite and you're not a Jew, even though you have been, what's the word I'm looking for in our society today? We have the elites, the people that are on the inside, right? And then there's the people that are on the outside, the disenfranchised, right? The, the outcasts, even though she's an outcast, as it were. Um, she still hopes that he is her Messiah and trusts that he has the power to deliver, not, not her, right? She's here on behalf of her daughter, on behalf of someone else. Hmm. You know, so often in my prayers, I come to Jesus about me. Right? <laughs> Save my butt, please. Help me, all right? She's here on behalf of someone else. What a wonderful thing when you, can, you and I can approach the throne of grace on behalf of someone else. Then she came. Again, God bless this woman. She will not be deterred. How many times has she been rejected now? Three, three times? Jesus has ignored her. The disciples said, send her away. Now Jesus says, salvation's not for you. It's for Israel. She still won't be denied. And so now, as their merry little band is on its way, she casts herself at his feet. She stops the parade. And let's take a look at her prayer here. She comes, verse 25, and worships him. Would you worship a guy like this who's treated you this way? What does she know? Yeah. She's heard the message and now she's met him personally and she can behold something that maybe a lot of other people don't see. There's a compassion that, that God can't hide, right? Yeah. She comes and she casts herself at his feet, saying, Lord, help me. What a prayer. Huh? Help me. Wow. <laughs> Look at Jesus' answer. But he answered and said, It's not good. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Really? I'm here at your feet begging you on behalf of my daughter to help. And now you're calling me a dog? Wow, how would you and I respond to that? Again, what faith, what persistence, what fortitude. She will not be denied. She sees her opportunity here, friends. Hopefully you and I will too. Verse 27, she says, truth, Lord. She acknowledges, yeah, yeah. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. If that's as good as it gets for her in this life, she's willing to be considered a dog by God. If I can be a dog in God's household, I'll sit under the table and I'll take the crumbs. Don't give me the best. Don't give me the first. Don't give me the last. I'll take the crumbs. Friends, what do, you what do you think? The blessings from God's table and the crumbs that fall from God's table, what do you think of those blessings better than, than something else? You know me, hospitality is my idea of evangelism. It's my idea of Christianity. Um, breaking bread together. And this woman... If she can't sit at the table, she can't be in the room, can't be in the house, can't be in the family, can't be in the nation, 
can't be considered a member of the family of God. She's willing to be a dog in God's household on behalf of her daughter. Wow. Mm. There's a woman, a mother, a Christian author from a little over 100 years ago who has written this, this biography of Jesus where she ties together all these gospel stories into a beautiful narrative, a beautiful biography. The Librarian of Congress has called this book The Desire of Ages uh, the best biography of Christ. And there's a chapter in here, chapter 43, that focuses specifically on this experience. Barriers broken down. You saw the sermon title here. I have it burned to the ground. She writes here, as Charlie shared, this woman saw her opportunity had come. She saw a compassion that Jesus could not hide. Truth, Lord, she answered, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. While the children of the household eat at the father's table, even the dogs are not left unfed. They have a right to the crumbs that fall abundant from a table so abundantly supplied. So while there were many blessings given to Israel, was there not also a blessing for her? She was looked upon as a dog, and had she not then a dog's claim to the crumbs from his bounty? Jesus had just departed his field of labor because the scribes and Pharisees were seeking to take his life. They murmured and complained. They manifested unbelief and bitterness and refused the salvation so freely offered them. Here Christ meets one of the unfortunate and despised race that has not been favored with the light of God's word, yet she yields at once to the divine influence of Christ and has implicit faith in his ability to grant the favor she asks. She begs for the crumbs that fall from the master's table. If she may have the privilege of a dog, she is willing to be regarded as one. She has no national or religious prejudice or pride to influence her course, and she immediately acknowledges Jesus as her redeemer and being able to do all that she asks of him. So here we go. The Savior is now satisfied. How many times has she been told no? Yeah, four? Yeah. By more than one person unfortunately. He has tested her faith in him and by his dealings with her, he has shown that she who has been regarded as an outcast from Israel is no longer an alien, but a child in God's household. Wow. Remember how Jesus told the, the leaders of his day that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of heaven before you? I wonder who God brings across the path of our life that we may sometimes regard as a goner or, you know, um, and they may be closer to the kingdom of heaven than we are. And he brings them across the path of our life to teach us some lessons like he was teaching the disciples here. A hundred miles to meet this one person to learn this lesson. Wow. As a child, it is her privilege to share in the Father's gifts. Christ now grants her request and finishes the lesson to the disciples Turning to her with a look of pity and love, he says, Woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. And from that hour, her daughter became whole. The demon troubled her no more. And the woman departed, acknowledging her Savior and happy in the granting of her prayer. Wow. What a beautiful thing. Now she has a personal testimony of a personal experience with Jesus. I am, a, I am a product of a Revelation seminar evangelistic series that went on for a month. 
Praise the Lord. You know, he brought his servant right to my door and invited me to those meetings. And I love evangelism. My first contact with this church was an evangelistic series that I think, is it Mark Gagnon? How many years ago? Bill Brace was here and we, we helped uh, run a series there. But I wonder if evangelism can be more than that. Um, there is there's a place in here where we didn't get to this mother, and we're not going to get to her today. Jairus' wife. You ever think of the story? Everybody know the story of Jairus, the ruler, who comes to Jesus? We tell the story from Jesus' perspective, from Jairus' perspective, from the woman that stops the parade and her perspective. What about Jairus' wife and mother and their little girl? Mm. In any event, maybe next time, how's that? But from that chapter, The Touch of Faith and a Desire of Ages, we read, our confession of his faithfulness, okay? Our confession of his faithfulness, our personal experience with him, is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. We are to acknowledge his grace as made known through the holy men of old. But that which will be most effectual is a revelation seminar, is the testimony of our own experience. We are witnesses for God as we reveal in ourselves the working of a power that is divine. And every individual life has a life distinct from all others and an experience differing essentially from theirs. And God desires that our praise shall ascend to him marked by our own individuality. These precious acknowledgments to the praise of the glory of his grace when supported by a Christ-like life have an irresistible power, friends. It's attractive that works for the salvation of souls. What a beautiful thing to consider. Um, I am more and more impressed that this biography tells such beautiful truths and exp- uh, beautiful truths of the experiences of women with Jesus from cover to cover. Um, Read it from that perspective. I think it'll warm your heart immensely. So lastly, this woman, the Syrophoenician Canaanite woman, is a daughter of God, one of the outcasts. If you or I have ever felt like an outcast, take heart. There's good news, right? By virtue of Christ's death, he has become the savior of the believers only, the world. Whether you believe in him or not, he is still your savior. More, you know, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And my favorite word from John 3.16, let's close there. You know it all. I'm sure you all know this. I'm so used to flipping with my digital device as opposed to flipping through the pages my Bible. Here it is, friends. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the equation, friends. God loves. What does that love inspire him to do? He gives. Gives what? His one and only Son, monogeneos that embodiment of love. On the other hand, we, you and I, believe, and what happens then? 
we get to live with him forever. And for anybody that would limit this, like the disciples are trying to limit it for this woman, okay? For anyone that would try to limit it, God has one word, whosoever. My favorite word in John 3.16, God is all about inclusivity, right? Not exclusivity. We are all included in that invitation and in that gift. So, whosoever means however he finds you, wherever he finds you, whenever he finds you. Whosoever means you and God together forever. Amen.